male lions are louder. Cracker Jack <laughs> fuckboy, triad of friendship. We're here for violence. Welcome to Pod Vant Guard. I'm Andrea Gazetta. <laughs> I'm Jordan Lee Williams. And with us we have... Tom Goss. Tom Goss from This Is Not A Show. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Of Big Chopped and Shoulder Pants fame. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I'm, I'm known mostly for shoulder pants. And you also know. poetry. Po- <laughs> yes. You heard my mic check become the new poem for the art podcast <laughs> yeah and, uh, tom's uh, beautiful poetry ties in really well with our subject today it absolutely does today we are talking about dada 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 was my first word it's most people's first word yeah there's well no a well that doesn't make me feel better <laughs> tom you're average <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was was da 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 Okay. Yeah, so that makes me better than other people. Yeah, because you hit several notes. I sang it, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we've Mm -hmm. always known that you were going to be a star, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm glad my starness can shine for you guys right now. You know, we need it. We need that shooting Tom star across the sky. Uh, Now I'm imagining me as a star, my head just going, ah, (laughs) like... Appearing and disappearing. I'm seeing it, but as like the more you know, (laughs) just like, but it's Tom's head, which I think would also be wonderful data art. It It would be, yeah, it would be the less you know. The less you know. (laughs) I'm having a very weird uh, time because this is the first time we've recorded all in person. Yeah, Podvant Guard in person in a room together. Not just digital. We're real ass people. It's crazy. It's weird. What's up? enjoy it should i sit you closer to tom so you can look at both of us no you guys are fine okay. I, I like the situation we are i i have cooties <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like we're having a discussion you yeah. know more than it's just like we're a lecture a lecture yeah mm-hmm. it more feels like a round table if you will like exactly. something i would have fallen asleep at in college and gotten deducted points for because it was too small of a room for people to not notice <laughs> Well, you know, I I told Tom this. I would not have done this episode if he had not agreed to join us. Oh, uh, yeah. It has to be a Tom episode. Yeah. There's just Tom Goss is our uh, Dada King. Absolutely. And I'm excited to find out why. Exactly. So to start, why don't we get some of the uh, boring timeline out of the way? Yeah. Where does um, Dada come from? What's going on? So Dada starts in... What year is this? Okay. You guys, I wrote my notes and it looks like a serial killer (laughs) is making demands. It kind of does. Uh, (laughs) But it also means that I have to kind of focus on how I write. It starts with put the money in the bag. (laughs) Next, leave it by the bridge. (laughs) Three, no cops. No cops. That's I mean, that's just what I have tattooed on my lower back. So (laughs) I think we're ready. A no cop trance stand. <laughs> you actually? No. Okay. Here's the thing. Jordan has a lot of tattoos. I have not seen them all. And I was like, no cops would be like a solid tattoo. Like, let them know. I do have a noose that says, hang in there, buddy, tattooed on one of my butt cheeks. Okay. That's cute. Very um, cute. You know, so it's it's not totally out of the uh, the realm of possibility for who I am as a person. Yeah. No, that's a great it gets better message for whoever's 
tagging you from behind. Exactly. It's like you got this. Just just keep going, bud. Oh man. I just think of people that have family members back there and I'm just Oh yeah. I know some people that have like a family member tramp stamp of like, these are my kids and I'm like, Your poor husband. Like, how do you fuck that person? Like it's yeah. weird. Yeah, no. then you have to come around the kids. <laughs> you gotta really aim. Yeah, yeah. Which that yeah, no, it's I'm just intense. I'm a loose fire hose. Who knows where it's gonna <laughs> go? I would not we're like we're gonna have to tape the part where their kids' faces and can we just put a blanket here? I would yeah. feel a lot better if there was some type of distance between me and your child's face. Yeah, we're gonna have to just like whatever the opposite of midriff is, where <laughs> it's just like tubing or whatever around the way. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. the Mormon sheet with the hole in it. Absolutely, you guys understand what Keith and I do. Um. <laughs> Oh, I love being able to see Andrea's face <laughs> when we record because normally we turn our, our stuff off so that our that was a visual. Don't oh no, but visually. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's also not what you and Keith do because what we're talking about is respect, it. and what you guys do is uh, a face to God, and I'm saying that only by the sounds I've heard. Did you say from, a face to God? Whatever the correct terminology a would to be. God? A front to God. You know what? Yeah. It's the new face of God. <laughs> I make mistakes and I roll with them. You know, I think that we all need to really uh, follow Tom Goss's lead. I think. Yeah. I'm so excited. And to fuck God's face. <laughs> I am so excited to introduce Tom, A, to Dada, and B, to our listeners who did not come from his fan base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope I hope there are, yeah. I hope there, are they, are they sensitive if I'm like, should I not swear? We swear. No, oh, okay. I, Tom, I, I much how uh, I cry more on this show than I do on your show. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah. I would okay. say we're sensitive, but like we swear. I use all the swears. Okay. Yeah. So people I'm aren't gonna, gonna face be to God. Yeah. <laughs> Like throw fucking God isn't gonna make people be like, really? This like they know I'm kidding and stuff. Uh, yeah, we're a comedy podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I also. I'm just I trying to know. clear the air for anyone who doesn't know me. Like, don't take anything I say too seriously. No, if I, if I, if anybody has a problem with Tom, you have a problem with me. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, you wouldn't know it from looking at them, but Jordan is actually scarier than Tom. It just doesn't. <laughs> like, I would be more afraid of Jordan in a car park than Tom. Because she would be crying while she was fighting me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's a psychological terror that I bring yeah. to the you're, table. You're drying your tears away with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Woo. So, anyway, what's Dada, Jordan? Yeah, so let's, we're going to do some precursors to Dada. Uh, just kind of get the context out of the way. Because sure. you guys know me and my context. I love it. Um. So I'm anti-context. We but know. Let's, That's let's why hear you're on this episode. It's so fun. <laughs> so cubism and futurism. I've talked about futurism before a little bit on the podcast. Uh, that's very like nationalistic. Mm -hmm. um, they're all about 
all of these inventions and all of the industrial revolution and every technology, like all of these things that came after. The world's going to be so fucking great, guys. You don't even know. Yeah. Except it wasn't. (laughs) Well, and they were very nationalistic. So that was uh, that started in 1909. Um, Futurism. I almost called it fascism because they were very much. It was not too far off. Um, And like I said, they all joined up with the military and died so futurism died with them like it's i just sometimes fascism takes itself out (laughs) i respect if you believe so much in a thing that you die for it go for it good for you absolutely love it um although have you guys seen the dog in motion it's my favorite futuristic painting or futurism painting. Oh, yes, I have. It's just yeah. a dog scratching himself, but he has like a thousand tails and faces. Well, he's walking. He's oh, yeah, that's walking, the one. I, okay. so, his, so all of his little legs are moving. And you Wait, can, they, walking on like hind legs or four legs? All four of his legs. Oh, okay. But the way, the way that dogs they did generally it, walk. Okay. Well, it was futurism. I don't know if some <laughs> people's image of the future is dogs. A robot will, arm. Dogs will walk like people and do taxes like them too. Like, I don't know what the dream was. For futurism. It was the idea of showing the entire range of motion in one still image. Okay. Cartoons do this a lot. Where, yes. you know, when you see like uh, Shaggy and Scooby running yeah. in place. Do, 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 little, do, do, do. Yeah. yeah, they've yeah. got the little spinny legs. Right. Okay. That's, that's basically what that painting is. Yeah. Um, Cubism is important to talk about because they started doing collages. That Mm -hmm. was a big thing that came out of that in 1906. Um, Okay, so question. Am I? I'm allowed to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when I think of collages, I Uh think about positive affirmations on a page in a mental hospital because that's my relation. So when you're saying it's like big art collages. What what like I know of the mental hospital and then Zodiac notes. That's what I the two things. What what is like a big ass cool ass art? What is what is a collage in that? So Picasso sense? would make like drawing collages where he would draw okay. the same object from several different like viewpoints and uh-huh. then he would collage those all together into one piece essentially. Oh, oh, and so like each one's a separate piece but you put them together. Yeah. Okay, I've seen this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 and yeah, it's yeah. kind of how he arrived at like the cubism or got in. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. part of the process of the cubism gotcha. is deconstructing objects and then like reconstructing images out of those objects if that makes sense. That that does make sense. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that but I didn't know that that was Makes sense now that I think about it. That would be a collage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I never thought of it as a collage because so, I usually think of glue. Yeah, sometimes collages don't involve trying to find a murderer or trying to heal from trauma. Yeah, or trying to forget about a murderer. Or trying to forget about a murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. Or trying to catch a murder. Yeah. No, I knew. <laughs> I cannot find. What I'm looking for, but there was Picasso. One up top. Yes, that's not the one though because it doesn't include the rope. Um. So, oh, oh there know. it is. I found it. Okay. So this is actually um this one is by Picasso, and it includes a type of sticker paper that okay. they would use to fix ta- uh, chairs, mm-hmm. and then the rope, and then all of these 
paintings. So this was kind of the prototype to a collage. Yeah. That's, that looks dope, and I like it a lot. It does have the aesthetic of the movie Seven, and I couldn't absolutely. tell it. Like, <laughs> no, it absolutely, like, the color scheme is fucked up. Um, it's hard to tell, but this is looking at a cafe table from every angle. You could look at a cafe table. Yeah. So part of what cubism was was taking an object and then deconstructing it to every single angle you could look at it from okay. and then putting it back together. Gotcha. So in this one, this is the chair. This is a paper. You can see the start of journal. Um, this is a, 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 li a lime, a lemon for your tea. There's your cup. There's the saucer. But it's all a different... Um, it's all a big jumble mesh. Exactly. Yeah. So... We are moving towards ready-mades, and we're yeah. moving towards assemblages, which are big and Dada. Um. I thought ready-made was a the people who make the lemonade juice boxes. Mm. What oh. is ready-made? So a ready-made is Marcel Duchamp's The Fountain. Um, it's the idea that Marcel's like, his whole thing was like, anything could be art. Okay. If you want it to be. Okay. So, yes. And he was very much, um, he was involved in the New York Dada scene. His whole so vibe is like, aren't I a little stinker? Okay. <laughs> That's kind of. I, I like that. <laughs> so, the fountain is a urinal that he bought from a plumbing store and submitted to a New York gallery when they asked him for something. Okay. They asked him to make a piece of art. So, there are different regions of Dada and they do approach things differently. Marcel Duchamp was very much New York Dada um, and he does approach things differently than the European Dadaists. It's, a, it's the an older East Coast, West Coast situation. It okay. is. Well, it's, you know what it is? It's those who lived through trench warfare and those who didn't. Okay, fair. That is really the breakdown of the <laughs> Dadaists across oceans. I, I love that this has like a Biggie Tupac vibe, but we're <laughs> hucking toilets instead of yeah. rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's going to be plenty of rhymes. Don't okay. Worry. Oh yeah. All right. Um, also, if I ask too many questions, let me know. Because, no, 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 okay, no. Okay. You're, do you're doing. You're doing great. This is such a perfect episode to have you on because I feel like what we want to do on our show is definitely like talk about art to people who might not know a lot about art. Yeah. And so, like having you here is great. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. cool. Cool, cool, cool. And we like you. Tom Goss is a like very close lot. friend. I like God. you guys too. That's why I don't want to ruin the podcast. <laughs> we won't ruin it. We're I will fun. find a way. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Um so so we can actually uh run back from the separate Dada movements to why they look different and why they have different political ideologies. Ooh. Um so, again, we're getting the boring stuff out of the way, but this is a very, uh, this is the, the main thrust of what Dada is. <laughs> we have... <laughs> nice! <laughs> 69! <laughs> oh. I'm just going to do a Keith Carey impression for a while. <laughs> I'm sitting in his chair, even. Like, I just got this, like, you oh, are I'm Keith, Keith Carey. <laughs> I love that your impression of Keith is always a guy who wants to marry his surfboard. Like, it's... <laughs> Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my 
little beach bum. <laughs> oh, and he's so cute. I can hear you. <laughs> you talk so much shit about me on your podcast. That is fucking not gnarly, dude. And I'm fucking out of here. Oh. I like that I said the thing, but he's yelling at you. That's my art. Oh, God, I love it so much. Okay, so the inventions that we have to get through to get to Dada are the camera. Okay. I'm only going to mention that sideways because it's not the main thing. I just love to talk about this anytime I get a chance. The invention of the camera changes art irrevocably. The invention of a device that can faithfully recreate what the world looks like means artists are no longer beholden to faithfully recreate what the world looks like. So because you have this device, now you have artists who can do impressionism. Yeah. And you can have artists who can deconstruct art because from the point that the camera is invented, artists start going, no, this is paint on a canvas you are not looking at a window into a world you are looking at paint on a canvas well and there's even like today there's a huge push against photorealism for that very reason because most photorealistic artists it's just like well why paint it yeah like a picture exists like why the fuck even bother it's what i think whenever i used to like for a hobby i would go down to Laguna Beach and just walk around all the art galleries. Mm-hmm. And that was always th- as most of the galleries was like, check out this fucking seagull. <laughs> and I'd be like, but we already have a seagull. I can just Google photos of seagulls. Yeah. Like, and bo- both of you guys will like, like I, I like, I prefer more like surrealist and abstract things just because like y- we already have photos and we have so much access that I feel like, it's doper to see, like, okay, so what if the seagull had, like, a grenade launcher and was fighting <laughs> ISIS? I haven't seen that before. This is that would be interesting. Such a boy concept of a seagull. <laughs> well, but you do that with your, you're like, okay, what oh, if we yeah. add pink where pink usually wouldn't be and Absolutely. give them, like, you change the, you have some features that are realistic, but you change other things. You do it too with your ear. The hands are doing a thing as opposed to just being like, they are just, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the no, point no, no. of the thing isn't that it's good. It's a good representation. There is a deeper meaning behind the art. And that's like, I would say that's how Jordan and I both approach art making. Yeah, absolutely. Is it's not just like, I painted this real good though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like the best compliment I ever got was my advisor told me that the surrealists would have loved me if I wasn't a woman. Oh. And I was just <laughs> like, God, I'm so happy with this. Uh, <laughs> which we will get to in Dada. It is pretty upsetting. Um, so the camera, that's obviously a huge thing, and that ends up being artists start to deconstruct art to the point where by the time the Dada has come around, anti-art is the thing. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> now, isn't anti-art just fire? Uh, I can't think of anything more anti-art than just burning it. Oh, that's solid. (laughs) That's totally fair. And, you know, I think you're like 10 years too soon for when people just started burning art. I'm ahead of my time. Absolutely. Which is your your time now. (laughs) 
I'm so glad Tom is here. <laughs> <laughs> like everything that you say, I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so happy. Um, so it's like you we're watching a Shyamalan movie that you guys know the twist to, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm also writing the movie at the same <laughs> yes. time. No, I was gonna say you I guys are laughing about like he doesn't even know that he's 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 the, he's the village or whatever <laughs> the fuck. Tom didn't know he's been dead the whole time. Yeah, yeah. This is like Twin Peaks, the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, to fast forward away from the camera, though, we hit World War One, and that really bums a lot of people out. Yeah, for some reason, a bunch of people dying makes people sad. I don't know. Yeah, like this many casualties. So I think it's because they had to dig all those holes. I you mean, know also that. Yeah, I've seen the movie is. Holes. So and like they were pretty bummed about digging. Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't really like it. Yeah. Um, That's why I thought World War One was sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hole digging. There's too many holes. Murder, but no holes. <laughs> That's my ideal war. Okay. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> I just, there's <laughs> so no murder without holes in warfare because the bullets make holes. Oh, that's fair. I well, mean, actually, okay, no, no, no. fire. That's you use fire. Oh, God, this is worse. And anyway. mustard gas. No, we are getting to murder without holes, actually, oh, no. if we're going to be totally honest. So uh, machine guns start at the beginning of the war being hand cranked. By the end of World War One, they are fully automatic. Fun fact about machine guns, uh, the fully automatic machine gun was invented way before World War One. Yes. and when the dude tried to sell it, everyone was like, no one needs that shit, and Britain was the only one that bought them, and then once World War One got going, people were like, oh, this is actually pretty fucking useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. It's fun to me in that era how many things were just, like, crank-operated, because it was, like, guns, <laughs> Your cars, car. elevators. <laughs> Like, everything you did was just, like, you, you had a, just, like, old school move. Like, it was all the... People must have gotten ripped from just, like, all of the crank shit they had to do. But just on one side, like, that other M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, they oh look like... God. Lady in the Water, fuck that movie. They look like one of those people who, who uh, uh, bodybuild but only do the upper body, but instead it's just on one, one side. Other. Yeah. Uh, grenades. Also become, uh, or they're invented. I thought I wrote down what year, but I didn't. Uh -huh. uh, so we've got. That's a whole is that That's That's a. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think technically being ripped apart is not. You're not making a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chemical warfare. Yeah. Becomes brutal. perfected. And because of the trench warfare, this is a, a war of. I almost said of inches because that's what they say in hockey uh i mean it kind of is though it kind of is though because they just they become entrenched in these spaces and they're fighting over feet basically like yeah. feet of of the line so and those feet have landmines and if you pop your head up you're gonna die so it's just like you're fighting and fighting and fighting and like no one's really making any headway exactly well and then chemical warfare so they start using mustard gas and because these gases which sounds so delicious it's such <laughs> a bummer <laughs> because these gases don't move they basically are very slow moving clouds people who are in the trenches this gas settles over them and that's where 
like the horrific injuries and casualties come in. Yeah. Um, and flamethrowers, you guys. Oh, so I was the right. Germans, yeah, the Germans started using flamethrowers, which were actually invented in, I think it was 900 AD, I think I saw. That makes sense. Yeah, but. I think the were Chinese were the first people to, like, use them in. Yeah, I think combat. so. It was it was them or the Greeks. I saw some some uh, plans with like Greek writing on it. Yeah, China had all sorts of cool shit. I oh, mean, they yeah. made fireworks super early and explosives. And all yeah, that. yeah, they so. had explosives. They had like the first like gun and shit. Yeah, it wasn't like the most handy gun because you had a you know like. Uh, it was like they had like a giant ball. It was like a hand cannon more than <laughs> like a gun. Hell yeah. 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 So Chinese are dope. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so yeah, these are the inventions that we get from. <laughs> I guess uh, that would put you in a weird position if you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, one of my favorite classes that I've ever taken was a history of Asian art, uh, and it just it was so cool. Um, but these are the inventions that we get out of World War One, and. The Dadaists are living it, this. Basically, there's some argument about where it started. Some people say it did start in New York. I don't believe that the timeline doesn't match up with what was happening in Zurich, uh, Switzerland at the time. So I have always held the belief that it was Hugo Ball and <laughs> his last name is Ball. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not even balls. Just the one. <laughs> That was such an incredible reaction. Uh, <laughs> Hugo so Ball should be Lance Armstrong's name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <sighs> oh, God, I love you, Tom. So, uh, yes, Hugo Ball and, and Emmy Hennings. Um, and this is this is before we even get into what the thesis of the Dadaists were. I have to say this because I will be angry the whole time. Uh, women are completely left out of this movement to the point where later on I'm going to read the most offensive quote I have found in years about women's contributions to art. Uh, Emmy Hennings was married to Hugo Ball he was her second husband. She owned the Cafe Voltaire where oh, this all Emmy's starts. Oh, Emmy's a woman. Emmy's a woman, yes. Oh, okay. I thought this was two dudes getting married for a second. No, which, I mean, honestly, though, the... the that was allowed at that time, post-World War One. You could, uh, or I don't know if you could get gay married, but you could be... I, d I don't know, and I don't know outside of the U.S. I do know that we will talk about Hitler at some point during this episode, but a lot of what we lost in that in those book burnings were from a uh, scientific institute on LGBTQ yeah uh, resources. No, I know there was a lot of like post World War One. It was like acceptable to be like, especially in Germany, it was like uh, very LGBTQ friendly post-World War One, and yeah. some other places in Europe. And that was part yeah. of what that fascist pushback was, and that's yes. kind of yeah. what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I kind of, it's, it's the only reason I believe change needs to be made slowly, so that people, you gotta like slow play it so people <laughs> don't freak the fuck out, which is like a horrible thing to say, because that's not how it should be. 
But it seems like history is kind of repeating itself. It is. Oh, and it's really terrifying. It is very, very. <laughs> absolutely. And I actually, I was uh, as terrifying as it is. I am very excited because people are remaking Dada. I start, but with like current political leaders, and it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm excited. Hitler's my favorite fictional character. <laughs> So the general idea of Dadaism, Dadaism, and I will say every time I read it, I read it as Dadaist because my brain takes a oh, second that's really funny. to like catch up to Add what that I'm extra reading syllable. about. That's yeah. really funny. Um, the the main thing that we get is that our logical, rational, big brains were responsible for the injuries, the destruction, and the casualties of World War One. They're responsible for the capitalist nightmare that we're all currently still living in. Fuck we are. <laughs> and the Dada said, okay, well, if that's what rational, logical, big brains get us, never mind. We're not using them ever again. We're Fuck done. Fuck that shit. Yeah. So they were all about irreverence, chaos. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Tom is Tom is just uh, don't think just do <laughs> exactly yes. and I actually I wanted to ask you a question Uh-oh. because a lot of people know the Tom Goss of Mean Boys mm-hmm. and the anti joke guy that we know and love mm-hmm. what. Are your feelings on that character that you have built? Um, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it. Um, I enjoy. I, I don't. I like it. Take. It's a great reaction to when people take comedy too seriously, and then it. Part of the fun is just seeing other people reacting to what I'm saying. Yes. It got old when people stopped realizing that it was intentional. Yes. Yes. When people actually just think you're stupid and are like, oh, I went to your show. I didn't realize you actually did. Then you get pretty sick of it. Yeah. Um, But I really enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoy people reacting. I also enjoy like like comedy is also advanced to a point where more people. If you're a comedy fan, you understand joke structure. You understand. You understand the the quote magic of creating a joke on stage, so finding ways to do the opposite and make it funny is very fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still enjoy doing like my stand up. I have a lot of jokes, like it, a lot of jokes. I write jokes, <laughs> but it's it's fun to you know do the not think because people have certain expectations, and if you use that against them. That can be funnier than meeting their expectation with a great written joke. Yeah, for people who haven't listened to Mean Boys or haven't listened to This Is Not A Show, um, in the early days of the Mean Boys podcast, Tom played a character that was essentially, like, dumb but smart, if that makes sense. Where, like, you would kind of intentionally misunderstand what people were saying and kind of intentionally be difficult in a way that made it sound like you were dumb, but you were intentionally misunderstanding for humor like the effect of humor yeah and that was also a thing where like i I wasn't like i'm gonna sit down and come up with this character when i like i was homeschooled i knew a lot about like 
current events. I knew a lot about history. I knew a lot about a lot of certain things. And I showed up at school for the first time and everyone hated me for it. <laughs> and what I realized is people enjoy stupid people because it doesn't make them feel insecure. So I just over the years practiced being stupid so I could have friends and then, which is, yeah, and then and then evolved and evolved and evolved. And then next thing you know, you can't turn off the dumb. And it was kind of just like an automatic response. Re- yeah, yeah, which I still, like, I miss doing it because it's very, like, it is very, there's so many, like, uh, 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 um, like fake, especially in comedy, but I think in all, like, I think it happens in art, too. The, uh, here's this really emotional thing but it's not actually emotional it's it's forced it's pretentious yeah absolutely and i think that like i'm very pretentious in a lot of ways when it comes like i am a comedy snob but at the end of the day what's funniest to me is people looking at what they're doing that's important and going let's make this as how not important can you make it because you're like it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't (laughs) like it really truly doesn't (laughs) matter like do it because you love it. Do it because uh, it creates joy for people. But if you think you're important because you're good at it, then I think you're kind of a douchebag. Yeah, this is the problem as an artist. It was something that pushed me away from doing art for a long time. Yeah. And pushed me into comedy. And then I realized, like, oh, it's the this same also thing. happens in comedy. Like, yeah. people take themselves so fucking seriously. And you yeah. don't have to. Like, you can be authentic and you can create art or you can create comedy that is meaningful to you and like says something and all that shit. But you also have to be able to look at yourself and laugh about it. Yeah, well, and especially with comedy where laughing at things is the goal of you're trying to create. So (laughs) people who take it too seriously, like I I don't. And I'm a person who does take it too seriously sometimes. And that's it's also healthy for me to learn. Like when I find myself caring too much. It doesn't help me. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I don't think it helps anyone because it also, oh, well, I, how do I how do I do this? How do I do that? And you, you focus on all these things instead of like, how do I create the best thing? Anything that takes any of your attention away from how do you create the funniest thing or the most beautiful thing or whatever you're doing? It's like it is actually the antithesis of what the original point is yeah you know yeah so i don't know i feel weird because now i'm like dissecting comedy and stuff (laughs) no no i mean honestly tom that was the most beautiful and succinct expression of dadaism that i have ever heard and i have a degree in it so like (laughs) it's just it was perfect and Uh even that thing of running into the point where people stop getting it yeah. And they start believing that you are this character that you've built because there was a point in the end of Dada where the audience, instead of being shocked or delighted, started just responding with the Dadaist sarcastic laugh because uh-huh. they were like, oh no, we're in on it now. And this isn't as good as what you used to do. And this isn't as shocking as what you used to do. And they start judging it as opposed to just... And so it was actually, they, it was called the sarcastic laugh. And that's what started happening at these Dada shows. And that uh-huh. was kind of the end of Dada. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, well, yeah, that that makes... And that is, I mean, I guess that's a big difference between, like, visual art and comedy is you want them to laugh in comedy. But I guess if the joke... if 
I mean, it, it sounds like Dadaism is essentially, in a way, kind of, not that it has to be funny, but in a way, it is a joke. Yes. It yeah. is kind of making... Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's bit. It's a bit. <laughs> and yeah. you're trying to get everyone to be less serious than when people are going in and valuing... Like, the only value is, like, I enjoy this or I don't enjoy this. And yeah. I'm sure whoever created Dadaism really enjoyed people reacting poorly to... Yes. Like, that was the point, was to Absolutely. be antagonistic. Yes. And there actually is one of my favorite quotes um, from Marcel Yanko. We had lost confidence in our culture. Everything had to be demolished. We would begin again after the tab uh, tabula rasa, which means blank slate. I had to look that up. Uh, I think it's Greek. At the Cabaret Voltaire, we began by shocking common sense, public opinion, education, institutions, museums, good taste. In short, the whole prevailing order. So their whole, their whole. It was born out of nihilism. You have to burn it down to rebuild it. Yeah, exactly. It's very punk rock. Yeah, yeah. And I found an incredible article. We will link it. uh, Called "Having the Balls to Be Hugo Ball." (laughs) Um, <laughs> which was about how Dadaism is kind of like the precursor to punk rock because it has a lot of those same feelings. And I didn't mention this or make it clear yet. Dadaism was not only a a physical art object style. It was mostly performances, poems. It was um, very ephemeral in that there weren't a lot of objects coming out of it. Yeah, um, and people did. I mean, people do performances where they would like write a poem and then burn it, or like you know, just like yes. do weird shit like that. Yeah. So well, I and have this was at the h- height of. I'm guessing a lot of it was born from. There's a thing that happens with art. When I say art, I mean music, visual art, whatever, where people are placing value on it. And instead of the actual product being valued, the creation being valued, the value placed on the valuable is more valuable than the thing itself. Yes. Yes. It becomes commodified because of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this stuff is like a pushback against that, too, where like we see that in art today where it's like people are buying fucking NFTs and it's just like this doesn't have inherent value, really. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, I would argue it's absolutely happening, and it's, it feels weird calling comedy an art. Uh, but it is. That's an art form. That's a performance. It's Yeah, but it, it's happening in comedy for, like, I would argue the first time uh, there's been this much of a surge in oversaturation, and comedians are, like, viewed as something, like, like kind of like not at the rock star level but they're kind of like put on a pedestal mm-hmm. and well, people are issues with joe rogan right now <laughs> well, y- yeah he's doing no. some dumb shit and everyone's like he's a genius it's like no this dude has humped multiple stools like relax yeah well i'm i'm always like yeah that, that, that i mean rogan Chappelle, like all of the like i putting anything on a pedestal for this thing that was it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a dumb thing yeah it's supposed Seems, to just be a good time it's exactly yeah exactly and it makes sense to have like a favorite comedian who's like this is the person who makes me have the best time but like putting him on a pedestal seems so like that's the thing with joe rogan is whenever people bring up his points i'm like enjoy him i don't care if you enjoy him but but anytime he gives an actual opinion and i hope this is how people view me if i give it an actual opinion not to take it too seriously 
Joe Rogan made his money making people eat bugs. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. why he's famous. It was making mm-hmm. people eat bugs and donkey dicks and stuff like that. <laughs> Nothing against him. I respect it. I wish I could make people eat bugs. <laughs> It's not a diss. I would love that job. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand the other side where people are like, and now I'm important because I was the best at making people eat bugs. That's where it's just like, you know, and art, the same thing. Where Absolutely. You, you know, I love going into a gallery or a museum and, you know, I come from the very different point of view that you guys do where I'm just like, I like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. And you have to kind of break it down if you're an actual artist because you have to understand that, you know, what has been done and what hasn't. Am I being uh, am I a copycat? Like you kind of have to be aware of your landscapes to create something new or at least put a new spin on something or, or you, you know, what I mean, like, yeah. I uh, mean, to 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 any point, we're all derivative. Yes. Yes. You know, there's always going to be something that I mean, it's all been done. Yes. And that that has been a concept since the beginning. Like there's no nothing is not derivative. It's all. Yeah. And it's also it's all connected. It's all building on itself. It's all constantly a reaction to what is happening and what happened before. Like there is just this constant shift yeah yeah well i think it's interesting too because there's this idea that we as artists can create something completely new and completely unique and it's like probably not really yeah like it'll be a little bit more different yeah it'll be a little bit more unique or more our style or whatever but like all any possible theme you could explore any possible idea you could have someone has had a thousand years ago so it's like whatever man yeah (laughs) it's fine (laughs) yeah no and i don't know if there's an art equivalent but uh a comedian that i write with that i really respect i started writing at a very young age with or like young into comedy with him he always had the philosophy there's no such thing as a hacky premise There are only hacky jokes like everything has been explored. You're just trying to find your unique angle on it. You're trying to find your, you you know, what I mean, like, yeah, yeah. you can't draw a clock without someone being like Dolly. I'm guessing I don't know the art equivalent, you know, no, I mean, or someone's getting fucked in the ass or like Bosch. That's, you know, (laughs) uh, he's not a bird, but they they're having a bad time. You know, it's Bosch. No, I, I. Those are all the artists I know. <laughs> uh, no, I completely, I do completely agree, and it's it's interesting because I do think that people react in completely different ways to that information. A lot of people get really defensive and go very Anish Kapoor about the whole thing. <sighs> And then, I mean, my best... Is Anish Kapoor a food or a person? A person. (laughs) Okay. A person who I got so mad during our episode that I yelled, I think he's just wrong. She was very upset about Anish Kapoor. He's just like a very... He's a very pretentious person. Okay. Like, like the, the, the most... Man, I'm, I'm gonna say something pretentious. He is the most derivative in his pretension. 
I think it's hard to put a most like a number one, give him the trophy, but like he's up there for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very, he's very pretentious. Sounds so, like a real douchebag. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so you have people who kind of oscillate to that end of things, but uh, what my my best friend uh, has she said one of my favorite things that I thought anyone's I was your best friend. Sorry, I'll st- finish your thought. Finish your thought. No, I just, I, you know, Tom, I, I hate to break this to you, but. <laughs> We're enemies. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 What, what did she say? Wait, you're my best friend that I'll go fight people in a parking lot with. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jordan will take her earrings off for Tom. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll take those earrings and put them on me. <laughs> and now I'll be the prettiest lady in the apartment. Um, but she said that because she's she's an incredible artist Uh she she paints photorealistic landscapes they're absolutely stunning they're the most beautiful things i've ever seen and she said i don't care about making it big or my art being everywhere i just want a footnote in a textbook that is that's all I want. If it's for some developing some new style of gessoing, I want to just be mentioned just uh-huh. as the footnote. And like, I just love that approach to making things. I'm in a textbook. You are. Yeah. Okay. That's a fun fact. That is a fun fact. <laughs> My in a textbook uh, explaining complementary color schemes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That rules. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. No, I forget about that. Cool. And then you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, my art's in a textbook. That's cool. Yeah. That's like the art equivalent of a Netflix special. No, it absolutely I mean, is. I didn't get any money for it, but it was cool. I don't think Netflix gives you very much money. <laughs> no, either, they man, don't. Unless That's you're fair. famous. And they don't pay you right away. You have to wait for that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they pay, what, $3 an hour? Are we going to get canceled by Netflix? Um, I, I think hope we should so. Just Move on and talk about our dear friend, Hugo Ball. Okay. So, we are going to get into some Dadaist artists. This is Hugo Ball in his fancy little costume, dressed as like a metal lobster, I think. Inspiration for the Coneheads, possibly. Yeah. Potentially. And I like his big tall hat on that's shiny. And I actually, Tom, I want to ask you if you will do something for us. Okay. So Hugo Ball, along with Emmy Hennings. Okay. Who is a woman. Who is a woman, a beautiful woman who made puppets. And she was an incredible performer. Uh-huh. Um, she, they together owned the Cabaret Voltaire. And she was a cabaret singer. Aww. I love Emmy. Um, she is constantly left out of every history on Dadaism and it drives me up the wall because Because sexism yes no so most of the women in Dada were married to the men in Dada uh so as we discovered on our last episode they just got absorbed into their husband's world so Tom Hugo Ball is famous for what he called sound poems (laughs) okay and I was hoping that you would do us the honor because I think that this is the closest we are ever going to get to a reenactment of what a Hugo Ball performance could have been. I'm uh-huh. so excited. Would you read this sound poem for us? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there is no wrong way to pronounce any of this. There's no record. Good, because I wasn't going to do it the right way. Yeah. No, there's no record of how anything is pronounced. Uh-huh. There's no record of emphasis. These were all just performances. Cool. All right. Here is 
Sound poem. Karawani. Julafanto. Bambla. Ofali. Bambla. Grasiga. M- <laughs> Habla. Horem. Agiga. Goranzumu. Goran men. Goramen. Higo. Bloiko. Rasula. Huju. Holaka. Holala. On logo bung. Blago bung. Blago bung. Boso fataka. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Shampa wulu wusu olabo. Hejtata gorem. Eschigi zoomda uh, bada. Wulubu. Sudubu. Ulu. Sudubu. Tumba ba umph. To Sagawa ba umph. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Oh. I appreciate that so much. And I'm going to say, I think. Do you think I he did? This. How many drafts did that do you think he did? I don't know. Because it's, you know, a lot of what they were doing was like cut up poems, too. Uh-huh. Um, Where they were just like randomly cut up words and then just like. They would. So the. The. In the manifesto on how to write a Dadaist poem, you find an article that <laughs> I'm is... I'm sorry, the textbook for it was called a manifesto? Yes. I love that. I only so, think of that with people who try to shoot the president. Okay, yes. I guess a manifesto could so be other things. here is a huge problem that I have is because before people were writing their bullshit manifestos about how girls don't touch their peepees, uh-huh. and so they have to kill everybody, and before Hitler... Before Hitler... <laughs> Artists were the ones who wrote manifestos, and I want to be able to write a manifesto, you guys. Well, you can. You just call it an artist statement now. That's the difference. I know, but I hate it. We, I had, to, my we had to make it artist statement because manifesto got a bad rap because of all the murders. It's true. No, but Guys, I want to be, be the first person to bring manifesto back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear a comedy manifesto <laughs> from Tom God. I might have to call that the one of my albums or something. Oh yeah, I, I just call it manifesto. Yeah, I yeah, yeah just call right. it manifesto. The, the the yeah, no, that's gonna be on the list. I know I want to call one of the the albums uh, "Good Comedy for People Who Love Bad Comedy" because <laughs> I love Modest Mouse and I thought that would be a fun play. But that's great. manifesto, yeah, is pretty. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but the the how to write a Dadaist poem, you take an article that is the length you want your poem to be, you cut out each word carefully, you put all of the words into a bag, and then you pull out one word at a time and faithfully paste it to the paper, and that is who you are as a person. Okay. We I was going to buy us a penthouse to do this activity, oh but I felt God. like that was going to be too many arts and crafts projects. It's, for it's a lot of arts and crafts. <laughs> but I, I mean, we did exercises like that in art school. Yeah. You know, we, and we did like the exquisite corpse drawings yes. and like all that stuff. And it, it is interesting as an exercise because it does spark your creativity and your ability to see images in a different way a lot of times like as an artist when i'm stuck i'll make a collage like i just make like making collages i find it very therapeutic and it'll like spark that thing of like yeah i'm not looking for anything but in like combining these images i found meaning or i found something that is like beautiful to me yeah no what's funny is i do i do 
This is interesting. So one of the writing exercises I do is just random word generators. Yes. And then I'll just try to write a bunch of premises based on the word accelerate. I will never use them because <laughs> a lot of them are terrible. Yeah. But the point is to just try to... It's to get the wheels going and open your mind to when you actually are focusing on a thing. And Absolutely. be like, I'm going to fell, but I'm trying to write a bit about it. Tuba would actually be easier, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Three premises on the word dogma. It's like okay. Yes. It's it, it it just kind of it allows you to fail. One thing that I find interesting about that, and maybe I like because you're talking about how the exercise helped you, but at the same time, isn't doing it in school kind of the antithesis of the point of Dada to begin with? Yes. I mean. Dada would not believe in art school. No. Okay. <laughs> they, okay. they absolutely wouldn't. Um, they also would disagree with Andrea doing it specifically because she's I'm a, a woman. Have a vagina. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't and that's the main reason I brought it up because I agree. No. I'm yeah. Kidding. No. <laughs> women shouldn't make art. The Tom Goss statement of the episode. They should, but only in the <laughs> kitchen. Okay. That's. <laughs> okay. I have teased. <laughs> no, I have teased this quote. And I just have to yeah, let's do it. now read it because we're going to talk about all of these artists and all these women in the arts. This, so the only female artist that is ever considered a Dadaist is Hannah Hulk. And I'm sorry, we have Ball and now we have Hulk. Yes. Okay. Uh, Hulk. She sounds incredible. She's so cool. And I'm going to read some uh, some art titles because I love Dadaist art titles. Um, but Hans Richter said of Hannah Hulk's con- contributions to Dadaism. Now, Richter was one of the main Dadaists. Mm-hmm. That her main contributions to Dada were the sandwiches beer and coffee she managed somehow to conjure up despite the shortage of money jesus fucking christ what an ass hat <laughs> what a fucking cunt can i can i say something yeah i was saying the thing earlier <laughs> sarcastic like wow would it be crazy if that was my opinion just want to clarify since we actually have real sexism i was making a joke i don't think this i'm not going to speak for this person Maybe they just had a comedic sensibility uh, either ahead or behind their time, but it seems like they were genuine. They were genuine. Uh, also, they, wow, it really shows how lacking an imagination Subway is. Sandwich artist, how dare you? <laughs> Stealing from Hans Richter over there. But you just wanted to clarify, I was being ironic when I said that. Since we have real sexism yes. in quotes. No, and it was hilarious because you said sandwiches, and that's why I had to bring up our quote from Dear Yeah, Hans what Richter. the actual fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, no, like, just saying that alone would have been terrible, but the fact that it just, it consistently comes up within art where historians, textbook makers... And most of the time, husbands refuse to acknowledge any woman's, you know, contributions. Yeah. No, that's why I'm never getting married. Exactly. Same. Uh, There's nothing more upsetting as an artist to essentially fucking crush it, either as an artist, as a performer or whatever, and have someone 
congratulate you on your appearance yes you know what I, like yeah. that has happened to me in shows where like this headliner i did a show in san diego this headliner um we were you know we did a show with him all weekend me and my ex and he like told my ex like as we're leaving he's like you're like the future of comedy and like and like i fucking crushed like i did good yeah. like i had pe- like strangers come up and me after my set like you had the best set like thank you whatever yeah and he turns to me and he goes you know, Andrea, I love that you always wear sundresses. And I was just like, fully <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Fully fuck you forever? Go fuck uh, yourself? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's an understanding. Also, off mic, I want to know who this was. <laughs> I honestly can't remember his name, but he was an overweight white Louis male comic. Louis C.K. <laughs> who uh, brought a girl to do five minutes who humped the stool and took away time from everyone else on the show. Uh-huh. And Incredible. he was fucking her. So, yeah, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> Incredible. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it is it is so demoralizing. It absolutely is. And I, I will freely admit that last night, while doing some more research and just finding some images, I cried over Emmy Henning's puppets because I found out after several hours of digging that she was married to Hugo Ball because normally she's just left out of everything or if she is mentioned, she's mentioned as a footnote as an owner of Cabaret Voltaire. So she, but she was one of the founders of Dada and she made these puppets and I love these yeah, puppets so much. Yeah, let me see them. So oh my much. God, Jordan's going to cry. I really, I'm trying really hard <laughs> to not cry. I'm <laughs> really hoping and I, that they're sock puppets. Uh, th- it, you know, it's not too far off. Um, so this is Emmy Hennings with one of her puppets. She was a performer and a cabaret singer. That's a scary-ass puppet. It, it is, is a scary-ass scary puppet. puppet. Look how beautiful she is. She's gorgeous. Don't She's objectify stunning. her. I wish that I had that kind of jawline. <laughs> My God. Um, her and Sophie Tuber Arp both made puppets and I spent a lot of time really upset about the fact that these really brilliant women just consistently get left out. I did this during happens. the McDonald sisters episode as well last week. Like you guys, yeah. you guys know my feelings on it. So we will move on to Look, I'm loving it when women get their due. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it has something to do with that McDonald's. Um, uh, no, yeah, no, that is a thing with 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 uh, with history, unfortunately. It is. Um, but to bring us to a more fun note, I found a quote that when I read it, I thought of Tom Goss. Okay. So her contribution. To oh, Dada, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm just gonna read the sandwich one again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. So Tristan Zara said. Everything is Dada too. Beware of Dada. Anti-Dadaism is a disease. Self-kleptomania, man's normal condition, is Dada. But the real Dadas are against Dada. And I read that quote to Keith, and he said that it it activated his shut up Tom clan. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that, if you just replace Dada with the word Smurf, it absolutely <laughs> The real Smurf is Smurf. <laughs> Oh, the Smurfs are nihilist as fuck the more I think about it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking love you, Tom. Uh, that's why they're blue? What, what did blue? you say? 
That's why Smurfs are blue is because they're nihilists. So they're just they're inherently dead? depressed. Oh, but nihilism has nothing to do with depression. No, it doesn't. You could be a happy nihilist. You could be a depressed nihilist. I now, a lot of depressed people claim nihilism when really they have no idea what they're talking about with nihil. Like, are there a lot of people who are with depression who are nihilists? Yes. Are there a lot of people who say they're nihilists when they're really just mentally ill and not addressing it? <laughs> also true. So, like the, the the what nihilism is, I feel like has gotten like changed over the years yes. yeah just because like fair. like you know, like no i'm not unwell i'm a philosopher <laughs> like, yeah. it's, but like you know like mm-hmm. the the late stage nihilism you're supposed to find assign your own meaning to things and then live according to like yes it, yeah you burn it all down but then you assign your own meaning at the end and find value which that never gets brought up by fucking sad boys you know yeah, what i mean that's fair no but it's, that, it's the manifesto of Thing. Yeah, you Where write your like, own. Yeah, it's but it's you got to take. It's been ruined by people who think that they understand that hell is other people means that other people are the problem. Yeah, and not that hell is other people because you're a fucking dick <laughs> and <laughs> they're a mirror to how much you suck. Yeah, yeah. No, I always <laughs> which this I think this is Descartes, not uh uh. It's I know it's not Nietzsche, but um uh life is suffering. Is an inaccurate quote. Quote: Life is uh, exist or existence is suffering. Existence is creating suffering for others. You can't exist <laughs> without making, even just like wearing the clothes we're wearing yeah, and yeah. using our phone. We are adding to just the suffering of others. Yeah, 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 yeah. Child slavery and stuff like that. So like, and but also just kind of being able to go like it. it you got to kind of just like burn it all down to nothing before. Adding your own thing, which Dadaism, you already mentioned, it's connected with nihilism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it Absolutely. is. And when people o- start overvaluing, and this is too important, and this mm-hmm. is like as annoying as it could be, which is my favorite part, <laughs> it does, you kind of have to like have a reset. That's the f- biggest flaw in capitalism in general, is eventually yeah. people will gain too much control, yes. and then it's no longer a competition. The game's over. That's what's happening right now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and there needs to be a reset button. Yeah. Yeah. Because things get overvalued. There's housing bubbles. Yes. And that overvalue creates just, it's no longer a competition. It's no longer a free market. It's no longer none of the things that capitalism sets out to do. And you kind of need to start over from zero, and then capitalism can work again. But that late-stage capitalism... That happens in art. And it even without the, you know, a non-capitalist, like society it'll still happen because people still project values and then people you know people follow others and everyone is competitive and that's just how human beings naturally are it's how we survived yeah so even if we were all communists or social like this would still need to happen at some point because at the end of the day even if it's not money we all put value on something if it's not money then it's respect if it's not respect then it's proper like it's it's all whatever it is wives people collected women for a long time like that was the currency for a lot of these non-cap like yeah not saying it's the right thing but that is the reality of some cultures yeah so you do kind of need to like i think this is a huge this is the missing piece in how to fix capitalism which is to hit a reset button which sounds insane and it would be chaos but then order would come back and then you have a fair 
fair market again. Yeah. Once again, I want to remind everyone, I don't have a high school education. <laughs> so if you're sitting here, uh, this guy's a fucking idiot. It's because you're right. And you should give yourself a lot of credit for figuring that out on your own. You but big, Tom, smart cookie. Tom, you're confident. And you, do, I mean, look, the nihilism thing, it is true. I have uh, tattooed on my arm, nothing means anything, tear it all down. And that doesn't mean that, like, everything's the worst and it should all end. It's just what comes next. Yeah. That's what that means to me is what comes next. What's the next part of this? And, yes, my advisor did say it about the Russian avant-garde. Uh, but it's, you know, that's what my feelings are. Um before we move into the next segment mm-hmm. of this podcast, let's take a pause. How, where are we at for time? Oh, because uh, we're at like an hour and a half, I think. I could just do a Keith Carey, and we're back. Uh, <laughs> took a quick smoke break. Yes, we all peed. It was great. We all had to pee so bad. It was <laughs> hilarious. Because what I was gonna say was actually before we move on to this next part. I feel like if toilets are an important part of an art movement, you should be allowed to pee whenever you want. I completely agree. Yep. You know, we talked a lot about urinals. Yeah, and you all should be grateful I decided to do it in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I stayed a lot at PacPal, and I think, Tom, you were the only one that consistently peed in the bathroom. Yeah, that Pe- would... Yeah. I almost called him Peef. Keith. I'm sorry, what? Keith mostly <laughs> peed out of his window. And sometimes the window was closed. For people, again, not familiar <laughs> with the Mean Boys universe, <laughs> Pac Pal was a. Pacquiao Palace was a comedy brothel, maybe? <laughs> I don't think That's there was so enough hilarious. sex happening there for it to be a brothel. Oh, no. As someone who heard every corner of the house, there was always too much sex happening. Okay, that's fair. It also, was a group of young male comedians who paid very little rent to all live together, and Tom lived in a kitchen mostly. I did live in a I also like that it's the Bean Boys universe. Yeah. Like it's an extent, like it's Marvel, like it's in a different world where it we just. It is an extended universe. Yeah, yeah. It, it exists in this universe. People just don't know about <laughs> some of the dirty, <laughs> fucked up comedian things. One mug, three plates, seven people. Like. Oh, God. No, and I. That also s- sounds like a porn. <laughs> it is. I am still horrified about this fact, but Keith told me when we first started dating, you can't hear anything that comes out of the basement. <laughs> so, Tom. Oh, no. Tom's kitchen was right above where Keith had his bed. So I, under the impression that you can't hear anything. That yeah, comes I've out heard of the you basement. come a lot. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. Oh no. The fun, see, yeah, which oh, I've heard. Oh no, I don't I've, like it. I've heard every. I heard everyone fuck in that house. Like, sorry, Jordan, you're not special. That's fine. I don't uh, want to be special. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard everyone. The weirdest thing is, like, my ear was also to the floor, yes. the, to the ceiling <laughs> in which the room you were twas fucking in. Yes. Did you have a bed? Did you have a mattress? I did. I did. So but, but it was some of the sound minimal. There was a whole four inches separating, like, you know, yep. it wasn't, a, yeah, yeah, No, yeah. the mattress was more like one of those play mattresses that little kids have. <laughs> oh, I had one of those for a while. Well, it was so old that, like, there was just a man-sized dent in it. Yes. There's nothing to do about it. Yeah. But the funniest thing is when I could hear Keith doing an impression of me after you guys had <laughs> sex. That's what I was like. 
Keith used a lot of Tom impression to court me. To woo you, yes. yes. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of like bird courtship rituals where they like <laughs> mimic a thing and have a dance and whatever. And the like bird the idea dance. that Tom Goss impressions were part of your courtship ritual is like I feel bad for Tom. <laughs> you know Well, you know what the, what's funny is I know of someone who listened to, to Mean Boys who happened to meet another person who listened to Mean Boys on a different Discord and they're moving in together. So what's amazing is that I'm a, I'm a part of a lot of people getting getting some dick or pussy. Like I Except yeah. for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom doing fine. <laughs> oh, I can't even that sounded so resigned. No, um. <laughs> I'm happy. I don't want a relationship. Uh, That's, that is understandable based on your experience. Like, or like full time, f- like a full time. Like I enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy it. Like there are people that I'm really enjoying talking to and getting to know them and stuff. But I'm just like I'm too busy to for like it to be any sort of like official yes. thing. I'm just like it. I'm living too selfish of a life where I'm. Like it's only been a month. I've really dove, dove in, dive in, div, div. I've dived back into comedy, <laughs> and it's <laughs> you get it. Yeah. And it, I feel bad because I'm just like it, it. Fuck, I'm already so busy. Yes. Yeah. I'm already so busy. So like, there are people that I like and stuff, yeah. but it's like it's it's for a long time. I was like, oh, everyone's out dating and blah blah blah, and it's like, no, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's not. It's. It's not. It can't be my focus. You're yeah. doing what's best for you, but it's also. We talked about hyper focus before we started recording. Oh, ADHD is a bitch. Yeah, and like I'm on the spectrum, and so I get very hyper focused on things. So, I just. I think that everyone who has like an intense hyper focus. Sometimes the relationships suffer because I just want to paint right now. And I know we said we'd hang out, but I can't because my paint will dry. Yeah, no, but it's also the the creative endeavors. I think that yeah. there is something about the fact that most of us will let other aspects of our lives fall apart to pursue the things that we're passionate about. Yeah. Also, I got to paint sounds so much better than, no, you can't touch my dick. I have to go talk about my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. I'm using it for (laughs) yeah to publicly humiliate. But (laughs) fuck it, you get it. One million dollars. Anyway, back to Dada though. Yeah, no. So what I was gonna say before we that's what I always say to past girlfriends. Call me your Dada. You made a lot of faces right there. It was a lot to process. There was a lot to think through on that one. Um, But before we move on, just a quick kind of breakdown of the different Dada movements. First of all, I think that there is a very important conversation to be had around the Russian avant-garde and Dada. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of things that overlap between the two. 
um, a lot of philosophies that overlap between the two and a lot of political ideologies. And I found a great article called Why We Shouldn't Leave the Russians Out of the Conversation on Dada. Um, actually, I don't know if that's what it was called. Hold, please. Why the History of Dada Shouldn't Ignore the Russians. Um, and you got it so wrong. I did. I got it so wrong. Um, but I think that people like Malevich, people like the constructivists, do fall like the suprematists and the constructivists fall under the Dada umbrella, in my opinion. And I think that that's kind of where the classification is falling now who, that people who are, are who are those guys so Malevich they built shit <laughs> Malevich was a suprematist and they and were, what does that mean yeah that is the Russian avant-garde and it means that it was the distillation of art down to its purest form uh-huh mm. so so just paint yes no and that's the oh that's really a, okay yes, that's exactly oh. the point is he wanted you look at this, it is paint on canvas, it is nothing else. Okay. Um, and he's most famous for black square on white, which is exactly what it sounds like. Ah, yes, I remember him now. Yes. I hated him so much in art school. I was just like, why are we studying this bullshit? Oh, God, no. He's <laughs> one of my favorite artists because there's... The, the important thing about that style of black square on white and white square on white and all of these things... It comes out of the October Revolution where the Bolsheviks take control of Russia. So you have this brand new style of government. You have the invention of the camera. You have all of these things. So that's where that nothing means anything, tear it all down. What can you build in its place? Yeah, we can continue with art the way that it is, but why? We could have a brand new thing for a brand new style of community that has never been attempted before communism. So let's have a new visual language to go with these radical ideas, mm. which it's really hard to make propaganda out of that. So they were really on board with him until they found out, oh, triangles breaking through a line doesn't really convey <laughs> exactly what we need to immediately. Um, and the constructivists were Rodchenko, who we designed our podcast logo after. Ah, yes. Yeah. So collage and different styles of very, um, I don't want to say dramatic, but it's the best word I can it's come up bold. with. very bold. Yes. Um, so there's that. And the fact that Dada happened to some degree, in all countries. Like, there is a history of Dada. Was it all at different times, though? No, it was all around the same time because World War One was really a unifying factor for most people because of these horrors that they're mm -hmm. watching. And that actually segues really nicely into the difference between New York Dada and European Dada, <coughs> which I think is important to talk about because the European Dadaists were very political. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Hannah Hulk making, you know, cut with the knife. You've got... Um, What's cut with the knife? 
we will actually talk about that one. The full title of that is called Cut with the Kitchen Knife Dada Through the Last Weimar Beer Belly Cultural Epoch in Germany. Um, we'll, we'll look at it. It's I okay. love Dada titles. <laughs> um, you've got uh, Adolf the Superman Swallows Gold and Spouts Tin. Um, these kinds of just railing against fascism, against nationalism, against these ideas. And then you have New York Dada, which is anti-art. And that's basically what the movement there is. It's the fountain. It's ready-mades. It's what's the point of art? Anything that I make is art because I said it's art. So just these huge differences. And I think that it's important to remember and it is something that I can tie back to what is happening now. So there is a great story about how during World War II, young women felt like they were really getting, like young women in America were like, all oh, the sock hops are canceled. I don't get to marry the boy that I love because he's in Germany fighting because he's in Europe fighting and then the young men come back to America and they're mostly marrying European brides because these are women who've lived through the trauma of war and these are women who have experienced similar things to what they've experienced whereas the women in America yeah there was there was rationing and and the war movement but there was no fighting on American soil so it's they, the same reason I can't date anyone whose dad hasn't gone to jail. <laughs> it, it is, though. It's like, a specific kind of trauma where you're just like, I need you to understand. <laughs> yeah. No. So the American girls, the war ends and they're like, oh, great. We can have sock ops and we can go to the dance and we can do all these things. And the boys who'd gone to war, they come back and they're like, no, that's frivolous. Why would I want to do that? I just watched all my friends die. Yeah. You know, I experienced these things. I'm injured. And similar things are happening with the pandemic currently. Yeah. Where there are people who are like, no, I put my life on hold. And now I just want to go to the bar and do karaoke. And it's like, yeah, like several of my friends have died from COVID. And I really don't have the emotional capacity to give a fuck that you can't go to a bar. Yeah. It's, like, it's really bizarre to me. Because I went to a, an art opening the other night, and it was the first time I was in a large space with people who mostly were unmasked. Yeah. And it was, like, unsettling. Yes. Like, I, I felt really uncomfortable, and I was just like, I don't like this. Like, because I've been alone. I, you know, I yeah. got fired from my job in September, so I've just been alone in my house all the time. So I just don't have people around. And then to just be with, like, 300 people unmasked, I was just like, I don't know about this shit. Yeah. No, it's why I've been having trouble when we go to the hockey game and stuff. Because we go places and Keith's like, you don't have to wear a mask here. And I'm like, I can't not wear a mask here. I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I'm terrified of getting anyone sick because I've seen how that ruins people's lives. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, my friend died. And I just, I have not been able to let go of these kinds of precautions. Yeah. You Which know? is very understandable. Yeah. I think, I mean, I th feel the same way too of like, my friends have kids. Like, if I go visit them, I'm wearing my mask. Like, yeah. and part of me wants to wear my mask to 
so that when I go visit my friends who have kids, you know, they're at less at risk, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. No, it's, you know, I didn't see my mom for years. And the first time that I got to see her, I only felt okay because I had COVID the month before I went to see her. So there was no chance that I was going to carry that to her. Yeah. Like, but so that is kind of the, that's kind of what I want to dig down to in these differences between art movements that are happening in America and art movements that are happening elsewhere in the world. Americans don't understand the kinds of everyday traumas. We have not had a war on American soil since the civil war. That is the last time. Like, yes, there was the um, Pearl Harbor, but that was not the continental United States. We have not had consistent long-term fighting. Yeah, if you if you don't count the war on drugs and police violence, you are correct. Yes, <laughs> but I'm. I mean, I will say though, like that's not trench warfare. It's that's very different. Not, it it's is definitely very different. different. Like, that's not shelling and buildings being destroyed. It's not leveling. It's not the bombing of Dresden. We have not had the bombing of Dresden in the United States where aircraft artillery is taking out an entire city. Well, it's a huge issue. I mean, we talked about it in the same glass episode is like, even though Germany was one of the top countries for stained glass art at the turn of the century well the 19th century yeah. i should say um most of that doesn't exist anymore and exactly. most of it has been lost because of warfare yeah no it's i mean there are so many paintings and one of my favorites the stone breakers um when my advisor taught that we spent a month on this painting and at the end she goes you know it's really interesting to me because this painting doesn't exist They've recreated it through photos, but the actual physical painting does not exist anymore. And what a weird experience to teach a ghost. And Mm. that always stuck with me uh, because it was destroyed in the bombing of Dresden. Um, So I just, you know, I I think that that is an important distinction to make between the fountain and the work that's coming out of the cabaret Voltaire and that's coming out of Germany later on because this fight against fascism, that is the focus of the European Dada movement. Mm. Not to, not to Dada that point. (laughs) Please do. But isn't aren't they just assigning it that that meaning? So, like, because because the whole point is like if it's if it's random and if it's you know like yeah, I don't know what else word to use, but like silly, like you can say this is a statement against Hitler or whatever. Yeah, but isn't that and it's like you 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 assigning it that isn't that kind of a little bit antithetical to the idea of Dadaism to begin with? I think that's fair, um, but I do think that it's important to understand the context. For sure. I think that even if they never said 
But they did say they were railing against the prevailing order. And mm-hmm. so to look at the prevailing order, you have to look at what is happening in their world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are a direct reaction. And they say themselves that they are a direct reaction to the technologies of World War One and all of these horrifying injuries and casualties and this world changing. I mean, until World War Two. World War One was the worst war that we'd seen. Like, this is a generational trauma that's mm-hmm. happening. Um, and they will say themselves that they were reacting to what our big rational brains had done. Yes. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I'm reacting to it. Yeah, one like it's it's I guess it's a little bit tricky for me to comprehend because if you're going okay, this is like it 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 is a reaction makes sense to me, but saying like I don't know if you have to say if you're saying in the art that like this is about like in the piece mm-hmm. like if it's clear like okay, this is about Hitler or this is about Mussolini or this yeah. is about that then um I don't know. Like, is that what they're doing or are they are they just saying afterwards like, okay, here is a jump. Here's a sound poem. It's about how I hate Hitler. Like, is it in the art or are they commenting on their own art? I guess is what I'm confused about. This is Adolf the Superman (laughs) eats gold and spouts tin. And it is an image by John Hartfeld, who actually changed his name. He was born uh, Helmut. The fuck is his name? Helmet Gloves. Right? His name was uh, Helmet Hertzfield. Okay. And. Usually you wear the helmet to not get hurt in the field. (laughs) So he actually changed his name because he was so ashamed of the nationalism that was happening within Germany. Yeah. Um, after world war two, because people were chanting in the streets, death to the British. And he was like, I can't fucking deal with this. My country is going in this terrible space of nationalism. And I mean, at the point that he was working, I think this was post, uh Hitler's trying to take over before he actually took over. Oh, the first time yes. when he tried to take over and then he went to jail yes. and got that wonderful the beer second hall chance. Push. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So no, okay. no, this this clarifies what I was confused about. Yes. Yeah. No, and I totally understand. So the point of this one though, um, it's it's an image of Hitler. It's a photo montage by John Hertzfeld Hertzfeld. Hearts field. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and his spine is made out of gold coins. So the. I, oh, those are. Oh, I thought yeah, it looked so like tubing from this. angle. It's an x-ray. He's got his swastika on. He's got his. Um, it's an x-ray of a rib cage where he's taken a photo of gold coins to make the spine. And then his whole inside is filled with these gold coins. And the point was that. Hitler was taking these, the gold, the war contributions from investors and spouting tin, which is garbage. So he was just using his garbage speech to rally, rally up these Germans. To and I money. love 
I mean Andrea's face because somebody made it of Trump. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like sounds a lot like Trump. Yeah, let me see if I can. Fi- I had it. Um, John Trump. John Trump. His um, name was my name too. Oh, somebody took it and they made. Yeah. Okay. So here, and it's Trump with a dollar sign instead of a swastika. So, um. So it was very political. Gotcha. And the whole point was political. Even if it is not explicitly stated, the sound poem and Hugo Ball's ridiculous, uh, the, the way that he was interacting, that his performances were because the order of things cannot continue the way that they're going. Things are shit. These are horrible. What we've done to each other is horrible. I'm done. I'm not engaging in the rational. Uh And so that's where it comes from. In New York, with the ready-mades and the New York Dada scene, that was, well, fuck the galleries. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, same. That's fine. (laughs) But there is such a huge difference between the work that is coming out of right. these two spaces and i yeah. think that that's very important to talk about yeah yeah no and it like that kind of example does kind of clarify what i was yes what i i just even if it's true there's something like if you're if you're being random and then not and being like this potato this painting of a potato is it about how socialism would benefit the American <laughs> healthcare system? I'd be like, well, this feels, even if that's what you're thinking about when you made the potato, yes. you're kind of full of shit. Yes. Totally. Like, maybe that's what it means to you, but that's not what you're presenting to anyone else. Whereas, like, seeing the art, it's like, okay, I yes. get, I, it still has, it's not explicit, it's still random, it's still kind of all over the place, but there still is enough there to be like, if you pointed that, like, here's this anti-Hitler piece, I'd be like, yeah, that looks anti-Hitler. Yes. Um, let me see. So, God, was it Hans or Jean? Uh, one of the ARPs, his whole thing was that he was finding uh, scraps of trash on the floor, like, or on the ground where he was walking, and then he would make these elaborate collages from trash that he found and his was a statement on industrialism and how it has really ruined everything like so it is all so tied together in the european movement but it's so different too from what was existing at this time like now now things like this are what we make fun of yes. about art school because it has been so overdone and imitated yes. in a way where it's sort of lost its edge. Yes. And it's the sarcastic laugh. Yeah, exactly. We're like, I mean, a dude fucking jizzed on paper in my art school. And it's like, okay, dude, don't. Um, yeah, no, I <laughs> completely agree. Um, this is a Hannah Hulk. This one, so I just, I love Dadaist titles cut with the kitchen knife Dada through the last Weimar beer belly cultural epoch in Germany. And Hannah Hoke was exploring gender roles in this time and how most of her contemporaries, especially within the Dada circle that she was in, 
would pay lip service to the idea that women can vote and women should have autonomy. But again, they're saying shit like she only contributed the sandwiches, beer and coffee that she brought. So she is exploring these ideas through her collages where she would take newspapers and you can see all of this technology. Here's a rally. Um, she's got, she cut out any time it said Dada, die anti-Dada. Like she's got all of these things. And in other pieces, she is exploring these, these themes of what it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Adolf the Superman swallows gold and spouts tin. I just, I fucking love Dadaism. It's pretty cool. Um, let me. I would say I vibe with European Dadaism. Yes, I'm not a huge uh, Duchamp fan. I, I really enjoy Duchamp's contribution to what becomes art, um, mm. or what art becomes. Because if we didn't have Duchamp, we wouldn't have Rochefeld. And I just think that he is an incredibly important uh, assemblage artist. Okay. Um, and I also, his, his take on intimate, vulnerable scenes is very important. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tom is holding his head in his hands. Just a lot of names. Yes. No, no, no. Absolutely. Um, so... The other thing that I should mention, because we have only talked about Duchamp in the New York Dada scene, uh, Man Ray was another... I did like Man Ray. Yes. And Man Ray was a photographer, and he actually did a series of portraits of Duchamp's female alter ego. Hmm. Um, And interesting thing that I found was that the fountain and Armut has been tied to let me find her name i have it written down is it duchamp's alter ego no oh here she is uh so that has been tied to baroness elsa von freytag loring haven that's a fake you forgot her name that's not a real name i did um, so the Baroness... Sounds like what a rich person would call a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the Baroness was an insanely influential Dada artist. Um, I adore her. I forgot to post or to put the pictures on the computer so I could show you guys. But oh, she she's is just... Adorable. She's so fun. She's wearing this very fun outfit and her head is up sort of in ecstasy and her arms are back and she's very she's like... wearing a pot on her Proudly head? presenting this no. almost like... I would say avant-garde, like it's a high art, like type of outfit. Yes, no, and so the the one of the huge things about Dada is the outfits. You mm. got Hugo Ball and his lo- lobster metallic robot. I mean, it's very like runway avant-garde. Yes, like, um, but Duchamp wrote in a letter that the idea for the fountain came from a, f- a close female friend of his who signed a urinal armut. So historians have figured out that it's either, 
or well the the best guess that they have is that it's the baroness mm. just because of her ties to him so she did it and then he was like that could be art Yes, or she sent him a letter. There was something about the semantics. They were very much like, it never said in the letter that she made it, just that she sent it. And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah, so Duchamp was stealing credit from a woman as usual. Oh, my God. We could go through the entire fucking world. And t- I mean, Lee, Cl- Lee Krasner, uh, fucking Helen uh, Frankenthaler. Like, I just... It's constant. Why do they all have hilarious last names? <laughs> because I have marbled mouth, uh-huh. and so it makes everyone. I don't think Frankenthaler <laughs> is your fault. It also sounds like a made-up name. That's Fra- yeah, Frankenthaler sounds like a bad guy from like the Adams family or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. Frankenstein versus Frankenthaler. Winner gets Mordor. Like b- 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 these are all crazy last names. I also yeah, no, it's. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to. Last time I made a joke when we talked about women, then. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled out my great fucking quote. Yeah. Um. So to tie, I guess. So that's that's it. Okay. For Dot, I think we should. Just, no, uh, just, that's it. Boom. Yeah. Um, to kind of tie it into so. The lasting legacy of this art movement has touched every generation till now. There has not been a fucking break in the people who have been inspired by this weird group of dorks from Zurich. Mm. Like, it has just been consistent. The New York side, we could go through and do a whole fucking tree about all of the artists and all of the art movements that come from that. The European side, I think, is where we get a punk rock. I'm going to be honest. Uh I think that that's where it comes from. Um, The Talking Heads took one of Hugo Ball's sound poems and made the song I Zimbra. That's... uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you go and listen to I Zimbra... That's the Talking Heads. That's Hugo Ball. Um, Let me pull it up really quick because Frank Zappa. I will always take an opportunity to talk about Frank Zappa. Oh, my God. I had a boss who was obsessed with Frank Zappa. Like, that was all he wanted to listen to. And I was like, bro, I can't every day. My friend's dad loves Frank Zappa. So, before you guys know foot and mouth. Uh, here's my Frank Zappa tattoo. So just uh, you were the friend <laughs> whose dad's obsessed with yeah, Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah, I'm shocked you didn't pick up on that. I didn't because I sent. <laughs> I had to pull up an email that I sent to my dad with this quote: uh, "Musician Frank Zappa was a self-proclaimed Dadaist after learning of the movement. In the early days, I didn't even know what to call the stuff my life was made of." You can imagine my delight when I discovered that someone in a distant land had the same idea and a nice short name for it. I just I love that. That is fun. I guess yeah. that is, and then uh, it's a part of it is that this is kind of what I do. Yes. With, okay. Yeah. Well, and but so, you're the comedy version. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then the last thing I'll mention um, is the literature side of things. Uh, Burroughs. David Bowie, well, I guess that's still music, 
and Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Cobain said that In Bloom was a cut-up poem that he made mm-hmm. um, in the style of Burroughs, who took it from Dadaism. So, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, so I have a I have a question because yeah. we talked we talked about how this doesn't you know like it's there's not as much this its influence has dwindled in this generation. Do you think that's because right now is the biggest era of I'm important maybe that we've ever had as like a people? I actually think the opposite though. I think that we are in a neo dadaist revival. Uh, if you look at memes and you look at the things yeah. that are happening on the internet, I think that people are looking at how self-important and crazy the world is right now. Yeah. And we're, it's 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 dystopian. Like, we're yes. at a point where it's like, is this real life? Like, no one can retire. I can't afford to have kids. No one can buy a fucking house. Satire and, can't exist because yeah. everything that the onion comes up with happens. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's insane. And so... But I think that the way that the internet... When you are not looking at the TikToks and the fucking Instagram reels... I'm so irritated about the I reels. I hate reels. I'm so tired of reels. Um, I just want a grid and I want to see pictures. I but hate if, it. If you look at things outside of, like, the influencer economy mm-hmm. to the memes and all of these ridiculous things that are being put out because to understand a meme you have to have this like you either know what happened or you go back and you do all this research like there's just or there are certain ones where it's like oh no I know what that means like I think that memes are dadaist in and of themselves maybe maybe I'm misunderstanding but I disagree and it could be just because I'm misunderstanding okay because memes is <clears throat> like memes are are kind of the opposite of random memes are taking a photo and then assigning a ton of meaning from other thing like from society like from conversation from whatever it's taking a random image and then making it make sense well that's kind of what we saw with the with the hitler with the swastika right is like you are assigning meaning essentially by collaging images that already exist that are part of the cultural zeitgeist that everyone has context for where everyone in the world like knows who hitler is knows what coins are like and the the inherent symbolism of those things gives that piece of art meaning or it does but when i think of memes i don't think of something like that it would be like uh if you put a thought bubble above hitler like me when i'm at the buffet or whatever the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's it's i think that inherently these things because if you weren't following like there's there's currently that meme like imagine trying to explain this to someone from 2010 Mm mm-hmm where it's the the fucking uh, kink shame me daddy. I I don't want to wear my mask in the store anymore. Like whatever the fuck the thing is where people are taking things from today and going like, oh, but think about the context that you have to know to understand any meme. Uh-huh. Like the jokes and it's not. And I mean, I'm not even talking about the the text ones, if that makes sense. Like, uh-huh. Did you guys see that run of the, um, it was like a hyperstatic image where they take an image and like turn up the saturation all the way 
and then have the the stat like it was just it's very fucking cerebral. No, I, I don't, don't I didn't I don't understand it. What you're talking about okay, um, but it, it's just the like my face when or when people just send around somebody's tweet like that. I don't think. I mean, maybe, but I'm talking more about when memes were like a picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I haven't seen a ton of like memes without te- like I've seen I've seen mo- e- like e- most memes I've seen and I'm not uh big in the meme averse <laughs> but most memes I've seen is taking a photo and then adding adding context to fit whatever your opinion or trying to be more well a lot w- of memes so like I I think what what Jordan is saying and the reason that I agree with her is like if you think about the meme of the like oh, I'm coming or whatever, or like, mm. oh, fuck, I'm about to come. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Right? A bunch of people would like Photoshop other faces or Photoshop her face onto other things. And like, because you know that meme, mm-hmm. you have visual context for this new thing and it gives it other meaning. And that is the same thing as collage. Like you're using collage to, to change the meaning. And that only has meaning because you understand what that image is means yeah no i understand that part but once again maybe i'm misunderstanding the point of dadaism because uh that is still like the collage part i understand the connection yeah but i thought the point of dadaism was to kind of deconstruct thoughts and assign them like assign them at random because the rational brain is getting us is is gotten us into all of this so you take all these things you put them together in a you know in one art piece no 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 no. so you are not taking all of the invention and all of the things that our rational brains have gotten him gotten here you're rejecting those things yeah so this is like we're looking at a at the hannah hulk one right now and that is deconstructing current events and collaging them into her own view of what it is like to live in the last republic of Germany. Mm-hmm. So somebody's fighting outside the window. Um, so she is taking apart. It's this is why I think it's similar to memes. She's taking a newspaper where people would see these images and see these ads and see these contexts, mm-hmm. and she is recontextualizing them and resetting them so like i just i think that memes are dadaism i mean what jordan is saying like if you look at a meme and then you look at that it's like you're making the same thing yeah is you're just like making a collage that changes the value of the image right yeah because that image has an inherent value that you recognize yeah and it's also like it's not completely rejecting everything but memes are silly yeah they They're are not and that's what these are too i mean yeah. like you're making fun of everyone else for taking shit way too seriously yes and it's like the memes are the language of the gen z essentially yeah there are a lot of memes that i don't even understand where i'm like yes. i haven't seen this whatever this tv show is i don't get it yeah or like, like i didn't see how this came from that and then needs to be and I mean, there are memes where like they started when, you know, Tom and I were 15 and now I'm seeing rehashings of them. Tom's looking something up. I, I am, but um, I'm paying it. I'm, I am. I am paying attention because it's, it's interesting. Uh, so I think that part of what's happening is 
I think you might be caught up on the the Jean Arp side of things where yes his whole thing was the randomness of the objects that he was finding right um but there's also and it i mean that's you could argue that he knew exactly what he was doing and that he didn't actually find any of these things randomly and he didn't put them together randomly there's composition there yeah so here's okay so here's this is why i looked it up i still think this is different than memes okay just based on the definition of dadaism a movement in art and literature based on deliberate irrationality and negation of traditional artistic values so the reason i would say a meme is is different and a lot of the point like i agree with all the points you're saying the one that makes me go it's it is very different is uh deliberate irrationality whereas a, a people are taking these clips and they're applying their own rationale uh I, and their own point of view and that happens there but it's not i think articulate. we're talking about different okay memes. yeah personally i think that we're talking about different memes tom because the current Twitter meme uh-huh. where it's you're either taking somebody's tweet or you're taking a clip. I'm not talking about videos. Yeah. I'm talking about when we were in high school and the fucking rage comics were all the. I don't know the rage comics. OK, it's it, it got taken over by the insults. But <laughs> at the time, it was like the the weird pen and ink drawing uh-huh. characters where it's like, oh, uh, the fucking troll guy. Yeah, and it was like the yeah. Jackie Chan with his yes. hands up, but like drawn badly. It's like the what the fuck? Yes. And it's like, it was a visual language. It's a visual way to talk about a feeling that you have. But then in the zeitgeist of the internet, it also took on new meaning. Yes. And started to like reference itself. And yes. like that is also what Dada is doing. So that's what I'm not talking about Instagram. Like mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, none of these things are what I mean. I mean, God, I sound so fucking old. I mean, historically, <laughs> what memes on the internet started as uh-huh. Oof. <laughs> okay this is really getting long and i really yes. have to pee again <laughs> yes so we need to end this episode <laughs> Uh, yes no i think we're done uh thank you guys so much yeah. thank you tom yeah, so much for, for joining me. us um oh god none of us who are here do the outro i can so do it we have been podvant guard and you can follow us on instagram uh we have a facebook group well we on instagram and twitter we're at podvant guard Yes. And then the Facebook group is just Pavant Guard. Okay. And so then if you want to go to our P.O. box, that's 1001 Fremont Avenue, South Pasadena, California, box 363. But, you know, go listen to another episode. And <laughs> listen we'll to another say episode the for that. Or ask me about it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, where else are we? Oh, you can email us at podvantgard at gmail.com if you have something you need to let us know. Or like memes that you have saved on your, you your computer you haven't turned on in 15 years. I'll take those. Uh, uh, Tom, do you got stuff you want to plug? 
Yeah, where yeah. Can find you? Uh, Tom Goss Comedy uh, at the social medias except Twitter. It's still Goss Goss 6 because someone else has Tom Goss Comedy. Mm. And Is it that country star? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I no, told my friend. I was like, oh, yeah, my friend Tom Goss. He's like, you know Tom Goss. I'm like, <laughs> We're not talking about the same Tom Goss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I know what kind of people your friend has sex with now. <laughs> Do yeah, you? That's fair. I legitimately hazard a guess because I bet you fucking don't. <laughs> they're, they're straight? They are not. Well, yeah, no. Well, yeah, Tom Goss is a gay country star. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I was correct. <laughs> well, they're bisexual polyamorous. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. They absolutely okay, listen so to you Tom right. Goss yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then my website, TomGussComedy.com, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> comedy. Comedy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my podcast, <laughs> This Is Not a Show. Which you do with, uh, the guy that I sleep with. Yes, yes. And we're going to be on that episode in just a few minutes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, their episode is going to come out before our episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah. That's fine. Um, so do you have any shows? That you have coming up. This comes out next week, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, d- d- I'm uh, in in April. Yeah, follow me if you want to see the tour dates. But I'm going to Northern California, Santa Cruz, Fresno, Sacramento, and uh, also I'm going to Alaska. In Hell April, yeah! So say hi to my uncle Jeff. Uncle, hello, Uncle Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on social media. And TikTok now. Oh, yeah, Tom's a TikTok boy. Yeah. I'll be posting reels against their will (laughs) on Instagram. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, where you can find me. Awesome. And uh, like every week, you can find my big dumb face at The Goonie Bird. And you can find my hyper fixations uh, in art. And occasionally, I'm actually writing a pretty long post about uh, the history of black work embroidery that I'm working on, um, but that is Goonie Bird Crafts. I'm exci- I don't know what black work embroidery is, but I'm excited to hear about it. <laughs> um, if you want to send me your favorite memes and pictures of your cat, which many of you already have done, um, you can send those to me uh, on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta on Facebook. Twitter at Sundress Comic or buy my art at AndreaGazetta.com. Oh, I have Pokemon for sale. There might still be some Pokemon for sale when this comes out. I don't know. There are two right now. Um, and I have my own Patreon. And the pod also has a oh, Patreon. Oh, yeah. Patreons. <laughs> and this is not a show has a Patreon. <laughs> do. Yeah. And all those links, uh, yours won't, but our links will be in, be in our the show notes. Yeah. So if you want to send us money so that we can pay to edit this podcast so that I don't lose my mind, that would be awesome. Yeah. Just please give us money. Thank you so much. Cool. Give them money. <laughs> All right. Thank give you. Give it to them. Thank you again, Tom yeah, Goss, Dadaist Genius. Uh, <laughs> we loved having you on. And if uh, and everyone listening loved having you on, too. Oh, I will take no yes. Tom Goss slander. <laughs> All <laughs> right. I will. We, we love, love you. you. Not Bye. me. <laughs>